back. Hey. I'm Paul. And I'm Shamina. And this is Head Boss in Charge. All right. Second episode. Yes, indeed. We're back again. Yeah. I'm glad we're back. <laughs> that I, we didn't yeah. scare each, each other away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, albeit, like, the first one, I don't think I was nervous. But, ne- like, we said before we started recording, like, I'm a little nervous. Like, yeah. people are going to actually listen. Ooh. But... Yeah, it was good. I haven't listened to the episode, and I probably can't and won't. You should um, listen to it. You sound pretty good. Maybe. I listened to like five <laughs> seconds, and I was like, oh, that was enough. I can hear our voices, so I know it works. Well, uh, how you how you bossing? Um, I am good. Today was kind of a tough day work-wise. Not, not that anything happened. I just felt um, this wave of being overwhelmed. Um, and so it wasn't one particular thing. Uh, but I was just, I just felt overwhelmed and I was going to bring my, a little bit of work home to do while the laundry was going. And then I was just like, I'm overwhelmed. Fuck it. I'm leaving. So I left right on time and I usually stay a little bit after, but I was like, not today. Um, cause the work is going to be there tomorrow. So otherwise I'm doing pretty well. Had a very relaxing weekend. Um, got some personal stuff done, some downtime, but, and you, uh, good. This week is, um, better than the last. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's all I ask for is that things just keep improving. Um, you know, I had a great weekend with friends. Um, the weather in San Francisco has been gorgeous lately, so I need that to keep happening. But, you know, in all of the stress, uh, with work, and I know that you were feeling a little... Um, stressed and overwhelmed too. Uh, I came uh, across this article, which I've read before, but it really makes me laugh because I take on some of this really bad advice. But you know those moments when you just have to um, keep someone in check when they just don't understand (laughs) (laughs) what you mean in writing or sometimes what you mean verbally. And so I love being shady when I can. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, you know, there's one, it's one thing to throw shade, but professional shade in the workplace. It's an art. It's an art. Yeah. And I think sometimes I'm better at professional shade than real shade because um, shade within itself is supposed to be covert, supposed to be subtle. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm better at writing than sometimes speaking. And so when people don't get the point, sometimes you just got to remind them and so there's this article about 10 low-key shady ways to respond to fucked up work emails and still keep your job Mm, right what i do daily right so here are some of my favorite ones i won't go through the whole list but one i probably use the most is as i said in my previous email (laughs) <laughs> and maybe copy and paste or just summarize i'm smooth um, for like attaching the previous email and saying see attached because <laughs> right. we've talked about this so see attached Right. That's it's like, it. why well, am I going to waste my time writing it all over yeah, again? Just I attached. already wrote it. And, you know, you're just letting them know that you're fed up because it's um, predicated on hard facts and you won't be visited by HR for saving <laughs> it, right? Um, let's see. Another one of my favorite ones is uh, make sense. <laughs> I say this out loud sometimes, too, is when you speak to a crowd and, and you just see blank stares or maybe you really don't think they understand what, what you, <laughs> you don't think that um, they understand what you just said. So you just say, does that make sense? Yeah. You know, it, it's a little, sometimes it's a little um, uh, coddling or, yeah. you know, but. 
Yeah, it's funny because that, that way that one runs sometimes two ways. Because um, I often hear people say that when they are not necessarily confident confident about how they're delivering a message, and they want to make sure like everything after every statement is. Does that make sense? Are there any questions? I was like, but just finish what you said and give me a time a chance to think through the question. Let me process what you said. But yes, I I hear you, if you especially with the blank stare. Another one of my favorite ones is. If you do not understand this, please advise because training can and will be provided on the topic <laughs> at hand. You're extra. Have you ever used that one? I have not, but I, I do the say I do try to say if this isn't clear, please let me know so that we can clarify it today. <laughs> um, most people don't respond to that one. Just, mm-hmm. I, I assume that they get the clarity somewhere else because the shit gets done. But right, yeah. Um, there is the CCing their manager Woo! or yeah. CCing or BCC. That's even yeah. more shady sometimes when you just don't even let them know. <laughs> yeah. I tend to open BC B, or open CC. Yeah. Just to do it out in the open. Cause I'm like, yeah. and then I hate when people who don't normally respond or like are slick with their response are all of a sudden real professional and, the re- and then they reply all, or they try to reply just to you. Mm-hmm. And then I need to reply, and I was like, and I'm thinking, oh, you must have forgot to CC your supervisor, so let me go ahead and put them back on here, because you right. thought you were being slick. <laughs> you thought, oh, I'm, let me just remove these names. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. I wanted them to see this and your response. So I'm going to add them back on, then they can see that response <laughs> that you took them off of, right? right? I, I'm Sometimes I'm real slick about it, and I will do the CC, and then I said, I have CC'd your supervisor as an FYI. <laughs> so don't think I may mistakenly put them in the CC line. I put them in, and I wrote you a sentence to remind you at the end, yes, I put them in. Mm-hmm. That was on purpose. Uh, this next one, I never do, and it's kind of hard to do, but uh, doing it in the reverse, where you go through this email exchange, you just skip right to the punch, you put the supervisor in the two line, and you CC the person you're talking about. That's hella shady. I have not done that or will do that. I haven't done that. But <laughs> when the time comes, that's really kind of the last sucker punch yeah. when it comes to throwing shade. Um, and this last one, which uh, shows this really great gif of Rihanna, um, <laughs> is thanks in advance. Well, uh, thanks in advance for your, your follow-up and feedback. <laughs> right. Um, I do that one regularly because people... They just let email sit, and I'm like, okay, well, are you going to do it? Are you just, or have you been ignoring me this last few days? Right. Okay, so, um, water cooler talk. Uh, let's get I, into it. Yeah, let's get into it. I want to bring up the topic of... Well, mostly we refer to this as managing up. Mm-hmm. That's a common phrase when talking about the work experience, um, being in an organization that's pretty vertical, and having a supervisor where you have to manage up. But I also want to want us to talk about not just managing up, of course, managing down, which is the more traditional model, mm-hmm. managing out laterally, and then also managing ourselves. Um, so really just going in all, in all compass directions. directions. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what's, I've had to do a lot of managing up. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it's, parts of it is due to part of my personality. It gives me the reassurance that, um, if I am working on a project or working on 
solving this crisis or political situation going on in the organization, sometimes the managing up is not even needed. It's just kind of my checks and balances for to let my supervisor know that I know that they know kind of mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. about what's going on. Um, but I've had supervisors where if I don't manage them in a way, then I fail, my employees fail, maybe my team fails, um, maybe they don't have enough support, or maybe mm-hmm. I'm trying to watch my own back because mm-hmm. they don't have my own back. Um, but, I mean, even before I get into all this, how do you define managing up? Um, well, the first thing I was going to say is that the I think all four of those are required of an employee. Um, unless you're the CEO, but then you're probably responsible to some degree to your stockholders. Don't ask me what really what that means because I don't know. Um, but I think that all of those are required to be a well-rounded employee. Like there's a, an element of all of that that you need to do and you need to learn how to do it. That doesn't mean you need to master it or be excellent at it, although that would be ideal. But I think it's not even... The managing up part is not even like having my supervisor or anything in check. It's like making sure they know that the work that I'm do- the work that I'm doing and promoting what I'm doing, so they know, and so that minimizes for me the questions that they may have for me later. Or I always try to say my goal with managing up to roll into that is to keep my boss's boss off my boss's ass. So that's mm. my job. Like my boss shouldn't be getting questions or be blindsided by something that her boss hears about any of the areas that I oversee. Um, So for me, it's managing up, keeping uh, my supervisor in the loop of these are the three areas because I have three units that report to me. These are the three areas that I have and these are the things that are going on in those so that she knows what they are. If there are action plans or whatever that go or action items or deadlines need to meet, whatever. She knows that I'm on track, um, which helps very much in kind of the one-on-one situation Um, but it also just keeps her in the loops of things that she doesn't have to worry about. Um, so I've always seen that with my current supervisor and past supervisors, um, it has, it has thankfully always worked. Um, but there's kind of a shadow side to the managing up piece that we can talk about a little bit. I'll bring that up. Shadow side being like the, the, the not so bright side, if that makes sense. Mm, Right. I really liked what you said about, um, making sure that, you're in a way you're protecting your boss from Mm -hmm. their boss. And Mm -hmm. I I mean, there's just so many examples I can think of, of my supervisor coming to me. And when I say so many examples, and it's not like I messed up all the time, but (laughs) like they'll come to me and say, so how come I wasn't the first one to know about this? Mm -hmm. How is it that it's coming from the top down? And then, you know, there is this unwritten rule of really following reporting lines. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like, no matter if you're, you know, I come from the nonprofit education world, um, but even in the corporate world, as I know from friends, the reporting lines really, really matter. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it's kind of, when you take a step out of it, you look at it, it sounds ridiculous, but it's all about being um, image and being perceived a certain way. And mm-hmm. um, you want to protect how you're being perceived. And so um, you're, you never want to be the last one to know information, especially oh, when you're, the, you're, you're working with a direct report. Can I chime in for something that you said with regard to, um, kind of the, the hierarchy of an organization? Um, what kind of is annoying sometimes when people say, oh, we're such a flat organization. And I'm like, no bitch, we are not a flat organization because I, st- I know I still need to go up. So that person bank can go up and then they can go up further. Mm-hmm. It is not flat. There are, there are decisions that I am not a part of because if I'm thinking flat, 
then we all have, you know, relatively equal weight in terms of the decision or like part of a conversation or a program that we're moving forward. It's not flat. That's how I see it. When people are like, wait, I have very flat, very democratic. I was like, no, sometimes you'll ask my opinion and sometimes you'll tell me what to do. Yeah. I mean, Which even, even these, um, all these, a lot of these startups mm-hmm. in San Francisco, especially run by, um, a lot of young professionals who probably fall within the millennial generation and mm-hmm. that millennial generation loves to kind of be the go rogue and try different kind of management schemes that don't follow traditional models. And they love that they use the word team a lot and they love to think of their organization as lateral. But at the end of the day, if you really look at it, like you can flatten that out as much as you can, but there's still going to be a few levels of hierarchy because mm-hmm. there needs to be checks and balances. There needs to be someone who, um, if someone messes up, it's all going to fall on a certain person, yeah. right? So I think psychologically, philosophically, um, there are things we can do to flatten the organization to make mm-hmm. people feel respected in their roles. But uh, you still have to do a little bit of that um, managing up and managing out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should talk about managing out a little bit. Do you have any initial thoughts? Ooh. Um, I see managing out come in the form of like working with uh, on like maybe committees, steering committees, mm-hmm. task force, or just projects. Uh, you, you get experts from different departments. You come together, work on a project, and then you go back to your team, your respective departments to report out. Mm-hmm. And, um, anytime you're working in those collaborative environments, you got to hold each other accountable, even though you have no say into their <laughs> performance, which yeah. is really hard. This one to me is maybe the most could be the most challenging because you essentially have on paper, let's keep it real, a set of people who are equal. Very specifically, I say on paper, you may have like lateral, their titles may be lateral or like your classifications, if you're in a classification system, may be lateral. But you know, like said, real talk, everybody's going to have that bum bitch in a group that is, they're your colleagues. So they're the managing out who don't do shit. Um, which I may bring up as my bitch ass boss <coughs> a little bit later, but I found those that can be the most um, difficult because everybody wants to be in charge, and for the people who don't, then the people who want to be in charge start to feel like they can delegate and give direction. And I'm like, no, 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 that's because I don't want to lead. Doesn't mean I'm inherently just going to follow blindly and do what you say. Like I'm a part of the conversation. So I have found those to be sometimes the most difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, not hard by any means, but a challenge because everybody, you know, everybody feels like they, their opinion matters, blah, blah, blah. Probably not the nicest thing to say, but yeah, yeah. that can be the toughest because people are like, well, I'm a director. I'm a director too. I'm a manager. I'm a manager too. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, all right. Yeah. And even when managing out, usually there is there's one person who does the managing out. And so mm-hmm. it's the, who does that responsibility responsibility just fall upon? Mm-hmm. Uh, it tends to fall upon the folks who are probably super type A. Yeah. Um, very OCD, sorry mm-hmm. um, for saying that, but, you know, OCD, we are for not lack OCD. of a better expression. Um, okay. For lack of a better expression, uh, OCD about how things are being managed. Or maybe it's just a person who's like, I need to make sure I do well on this project mm-hmm. so it doesn't reflect good on me or reflect so that it reflects well on me. But um, 
So I'm going to just make sure that the pieces are lined up right mm-hmm. and, you know, delegate according, accordingly or assign accordingly, mm-hmm. you know. This is like doing a group project, if you think about it. Like, and exactly. I hate group projects. Like, I am very much an individual contributor, like, in terms of the work. Like, I want, I want to be responsible for the success or the fail of my work. Um, and so I do get a little nutsy and a little anxious when it's, like, if I have to hand over my work to other people to then move forward. I'm like, oh, God. Um, but I, that the the other part of that is I don't like to necessarily take the lead and step forward to be responsible for pulling together people's, like, not great work or not excellent. And, you know, the expectation that I would then make it, like, nice and lovely and cohesive and whatnot. So mm-hmm. it, I'm a mixed bag on that. But it's like a group project to me. I I know that I do good work, and I know that I have my own way of keeping track of my work. So if I'm working on something that's collaborative, one of the things that annoys me is when the person who maybe is waiting for me to complete my step or um, maybe the person before me uh, is when they keep sending me emails or they keep asking me, so have you gotten to this or have you done this? And it's like, girl, I, we just had the meeting. Can you get at least give me like three business days to accomplish mm-hmm. this? Because I still have to do my regular job mm-hmm. or like my day-to-day responsibilities. I can't just jump and finish this right away. Uh, I, I think with managing out, it's really hard to do this. And I would like to say that I have improved in this area. But putting yourself in other people's shoes and even though you don't have the, their, um, the skills in their expert area understanding how long it takes to do things Mm -hmm. and understanding how the organization works as a whole. Uh, Maybe um, we have to set realistic goals and timelines because everyone, everyone's role in the organization um, is uh, molded in a different way. So if we're working on a collaborative project, Mm -hmm. person A, based on their day-to-day responsibilities, will complete that part of the project at a certain time Versus person B, maybe their workflow is different. And just understanding that and respecting that and not bothering people on all sides of the project to get something done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, I think, um, as you say that, I think of, and I, knock on some wood, oh, have mercy. Um, I don't, I'm not involved right now in a ton of, uh, like, group projects for work. But one of the things that I have tried to do to manage my own time um, with regard to like collaborative things, maybe we don't meet in a group, um, but maybe we all need to be doing a similar work like on, um, what do we have coming up? Like some sort of an annual report or a strategic plan, something or other. Um, making sure that I try to be honest and communicating like how much time something is going to take me and faster isn't always better. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Sometimes I will take a few extra days, number one, because shit happens. Um, and I work in one of the departments I work with is like, I don't know what's going to come in literally the next day if someone's going to have yelled at a professor or like hit a student or things like that. So there's a, there's a dynamic piece in that. So I try to be reasonable with how I communicate. And if I'm going to miss something like, which I rarely do, thank goodness, um, telling people like, Hey, I'm a little bit behind on this, or I'm not going to meet this deadline, but this is what I'm going to meet it. And rather than just like letting the deadline come and go, and then I have to be like, well, we're like, are you going to do this? You know what I mean? Right. Um, I think that's sometimes a challenge with folks with the managing out. You don't want to manage, feel like you're managing and supervising somebody else when you expect them to like do the work and get it forward or communicate 
without the the shame shit that comes with that of like, oh, I didn't meet an expectation, so let me just not say anything. Because I'm like, this is what I use my calendar for when I'm expecting something back from someone or a response. And know that I'm going to follow up. Like, my follow-up game is hella strong. So if if you think I wasn't going to do it, I will be doing it at the date and time in which I said I would. Based on what you share with me that you can get it done. Right. So if I hear nothing from you, then I'm going to go ahead and do the reach out so that we can continue to move the whole thing forward. And if it's consistently that bad, then um, reaching out to their supervisor mm-hmm. <laughs> would be the next step. Which, yeah. Um, for when it comes to forming relationships with people, you probably don't want to do that. Do re- go to that step that quickly, because mm-hmm. um, you want to protect your relationships mm-hmm. with the people that are on the same level as you. But yeah, if um, something's not getting done, then as a last resort, reaching out to that supervisor because as a teammate, you can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Um, we have managing down. Managing down, which is you know more the traditional model. Supervision. Generally. Supervision, yeah. Um, uh, if if you are a manager and we're both managers, um, part of that, I, I mean, there's many different topics. We can talk about micromanaging versus macromanaging, holding people accountable. Um, but I, I think what I really want to get at is um, I want to focus a little bit on kind of I think dynamics change based off of gender on gender versus race on race supervision type relationship. So like when I think about, I guess I have to put myself in the perspective of being supervised. Um, It's interesting to see how um, I interact with female supervisors versus male supervisors or (laughs) white supervisors versus POC supervisors. I don't, think I've ever had a black supervisor, but I've had a Filipino um, and an Indian supervisor, which is, uh, and then maybe a Latina, but yeah. Uh, And just our conversations are different. Our tone is different. I can get into specifics, but I just Mm -hmm. want to see what your response is to that. Um, You know... As you were saying that, I was thinking, like, who have been my supervisors? And they have, for the most part, been white folks. Um, three male, no, two male, three female. And then uh, my very first supervisor out of uh, undergrad before I went to grad school was a black woman. Um, and they all looked very different in terms of what I need and where I was professionally um, or in graduate school. So, um I have noticed that, oh, am I going to say this out loud? Um, in my black womanness, if you will, um, I'm sure I'm not the only one who gets the like, oh, I think I thought you were intimidating when I first met you. And I'm like, uh, insert eye roll. Uh, so I'm like, I hadn't even said anything before we started, but okay. Um, but I think sometimes that can, that has played into the, the dynamic of my work with um a few supervisors. So when I say that, I mean like the sense of like that I've gotten folks who've tended to get out of my way um, mm-hmm. because I do have a level of confidence that I bring to the table just as the way that I speak can be sometimes in a definitive and like I know what the hell I'm doing. But I guess I was taught somewhere that that's how you speak. You speak with deliberateness. Um, you speak like you know what you're talking about. Um, so in that sense, sometimes it's it's been... Um, 
a challenge to try to navigate and be like, I still need to be need and want to be developed and supervised. Um, of course, until I don't, and then I'll tell you when I don't, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I never, I guess I didn't put much stock into it cause I've only had one supervisor that was a person of color oh, okay. uh, and that was my very first one. And it was a, one day I'll talk about it, a unique situation, tiny school. And when I say tiny, there were, I think 200 students mm-hmm. and the university was in its second year of accepting students. So they were like freshmen and sophomores, but think there's 200 total, like Nobody commuted. Everybody lived in. Mm-hmm. So we were a very small and very tight team. Um, right. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> something that you said sparked one of the first things I was going to say is that I've noticed that, uh, and I can speak from both the manager side and being supervised, that uh, so I've had about three female supervisors, two male supervisors. Uh The female supervisors tend to be really good at when they give me evaluations or on-the-spot feedback, it's very perceptive. Like, it's almost behavioral in a sense, where it's linked a little bit to um, how they feel that I'm doing or how uh, it's kind of a little bit more intuitive. Okay. Um, I think that speaks a little bit to, you know, they say genetically that females just have a have because of that caring culture to them, and not and this is not blanket statement. Okay, right? I was like, oh, not really? Ba- not blanket, oh, really? but um, you know, they they tend. I've noticed at least with my female supervisors that they just tend to be a little bit more perceptive to my behavior compared to my male supervisors, where it's a little bit more objective, and they 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 only focus on the work, mm. right? Um, but I did have one female supervisor who had a good mesh of both. But she was also a person of color. Okay. One thing that I find about being supervised by um, people of color is I feel like they hold me to a little bit of higher standard okay. a little bit. It's like that kind of like nudge on the shoulder. It's like, come like, on. We got to do this. You got, we got to do this. We're in it together. You better not represent us incorrectly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like I said, I've never had a black supervisor before, but the with my um, female people of color, mm-hmm. you know, because actually, yeah, all three of them were people of color. And um, they, yeah, they really held me to a high standard. And I felt like they didn't really... They subconsciously didn't do that to my other peers. And I didn't find offense to that. I think I'm used to that. My teachers in school held me to a higher standard. My mom held me to a higher standard. Uh, It's just something that is innate in me, is that I have to work really hard and represent myself well. Um, But now that I'm in the manager's shoes, it's the same. I... I watch out for my people in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, not I'm not giving them favoritism, but I really make sure that uh, we're both in lockstep when it comes to meeting our goals and and objectives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I enjoy having female supervisors more than male supervisors. Um, and not to use the more obvious answer, but I'm going to use it. But I think because I'm gay, oh, <laughs> I just tend to... Wait, you're gay? Uh, yeah, okay. girl. Okay, we're coming out. All right, noted. I'm coming okay. out. Okay, wow. I want the world to know. I'm a, we're going to move okay. right along. <laughs> so, yeah, I um, I don't know. I, I just feel um, kind of going back to that, uh, it's that personality, that caring piece, the softer piece, um, where we mesh a little bit well and we understand each other professionally. 
Um, I'm not going to speak for everyone. I'm just speaking for myself. Um, I tend to um, enjoy that experience a little bit more. Um, but uh, I notice, too, being myself, um, I understand my male privilege, and I have to understand my male privilege in organization. Uh, and right now I'm just on the journey of learning what it's like to manage mm-hmm. um, men versus women. And what are my biases? I haven't really determined that yet. I'm not going to stand as liberal and as educated as I am and as on the path I am towards fighting social justice. I'm not going to stand here and say I'm perfect. I know that I probably have some innate biases that I don't really know, um, probably more so in the um, men versus women. And I'm just very conscious of making sure that I treat everyone equally in terms of my tone, um, in terms of how I delegate responsibilities. Is, Is my relationship with my female employees a little bit different than my male employees if not great but um I know and I see it with other folks um at in my organization and other organizations where men really do treat women differently Mm -hmm. than um their male peers uh can I challenge you for a bit there sure um Awkward if you said no, and then I'd be like, okay, moving right along. Um, no, I, I hear this very strong uh, dichotomy, is that the right word, of like male and female. Mm-hmm. Like, is there any, like, where, like, you seem to have a really hard stance of like the males here and the females here. Have you, I guess, do you have thoughts around that? Is that an intentional or just, is that based on experience? Or um, I, It's hard to say intentional because that's, uh, I guess when we're talking about the workplace, that's naturally how I speak um when we talk about uh just biases and um talking about just how uh when we talk about the workplace we often focus on um well let's if it's if the topic is gender let's focus on um how women are mistreated in the workplace how they're not paid enough and that tends to be the focus but also yes there's a full Mm -hmm. spectrum when it comes to gender Mm -hmm. um i have not had the yeah, I don't think I've had an experience of working with someone who's transgender or somewhere else in the gender spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole other topic within itself. That is a whole other topic. Um, and I, I ask that because I have worked with and supervised someone who identified as trans, and it was very much, um, like, it's just, it's the initial learning piece of, like, what name, what's their preferred gender pronoun, um, how do they, they like to be addressed during meetings and things like that and being mindful of not putting them in a category based on what I physically see, but how they tell me they experience the world and how they live. So it's just an interesting, and it, was, it wasn't it was a long supervision period, um, a little less than a year, I think. But still, it, was, it, it, it brought my eyes a little bit more open in terms of how I interact with kind of the, the males and the females that I supervise and or work with. So mm-hmm. um, no real deep thoughts around that. Just, just um, no, you know. really good challenge, really good question, because um, that's becoming more and more prevalent in our organizations. I mean, we're still in a place where there are a lot of employees who do not feel comfortable disclosing mm-hmm. what their actual gender is mm-hmm. because they're not going to get a job, yeah, right? absolutely. Um, but it is something important to remember as a manager to respect that. Um, I would love to talk about, and maybe, I know, since you have more of a HR background, a future topic Oh my gosh, we're gonna, I get, I just got excited when you said the HR piece. (laughs) Uh, interviewing folks that you see that's evident either on paper or in person that, um, is, does not, is gender non-conforming. Okay. And how you evaluate that as a recruiter or as a, um, hiring manager. Okay. 
Yeah, I'll put it on the post Yeah, because I was like, so. that's a longer conversation yeah. than now. And then I guess the last directional is managing okay. inward. How about, do you have any initial thoughts to start? Ooh, I think that's probably the hardest one, a little, probably harder than managing up. And it's probably, I'm probably saying that because of where I am professionally right now. Um, for me, managing inward is letting go of things. Okay. <laughs> that, that's my way of managing myself is I have to let go. I can't do it all. Uh, it, I had a really difficult time some time ago delegating um, and trusting my team. And I have a much easier time doing that now. But uh, still, it's that letting go piece and just saying, you got so many other better things to worry about. Mm-hmm. And if you let this go, you're going to actually be a little bit more sane. Mm-hmm. And you'll sleep a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, I think that topic's very broad, but for me, that's what managing inward means right now for myself professionally. Okay. Um, I think uh, I would echo that similarly. I probably have some more thoughts, so let me just roll some things off my head if I see if anything else comes up. Um, but very much the letting things go, because sometimes there's this... Um, I have previously, I don't do that so much now, um, had this air of... I, hate, I even hate the word perfectionism, because that's not what it was. It's just I was probably anal. Um about like how I wanted work to go out or how I wanted to present what I was doing. And so I would like wordsmith the hell out of something. It would take me like 20 minutes to write like a three sentence email. Cause I'm like, let me, let me use a synonym. Cause I've used that word twice. In oh this my thing. gosh. And yes. And so I have, uh, very much started to adopt and learn. And like, sometimes you just have to hit send. Like sometimes <laughs> right. I'm like, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to get all deep into this. And if you want to talk in person, come and talk to me. It's basically like you know? when your emails turn into those research papers from yes, grad school, it's right? like, wait, why am I thinking so much about, right? So managing yourself is just giving you those reminders. It's like, yeah. Just press send. It's yeah. not that serious. If, it's a, if, the, if I spell something, well, no, there's the, that's the underlined squiggly that tells you if it's something spelled wrong or the grammar, the blue one, uh, which apparently is not a thing that people pay attention to. Because so I'm like, why am I getting shit with these underlines? You didn't click on that? That didn't seem odd because you didn't put the <laughs> right. underline there. Anywho. Um, but you know my thing is it's typically like, if I send this and it sounds a little off or maybe I didn't wordsmith the shit out of it, I'm like, I'm still going to get my check. So, and the benefits are still going to be available to me, you know, thank the most high for that. That's right. Um, that is a blessing in itself. But I'm like, let me, I have a knack for sometimes like overthinking something to the point of being like, I'm, I'm stressed about it. That's one of the reasons why I left today. Cause I was like, I'm overwhelmed. Fuck this. I'm leaving. I'm still going to get my check. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I come back yes. to tomorrow and start to work on it. But that's when yeah. the exempt status becomes yes. very handy. <laughs> I was like, I just, I'm, I was overwhelmed with it. Cause I was thinking about like, Oh my gosh, this is going to take me so long. And I was like, fuck this. I'm going to do bullet points. Cause she said she just wanted like some bullet points related to these three areas. Each area is going to get about five bullet points about how we're going to support the strategic plan. And then that's going to be it. So you said you wanted a draft. I can get you a draft. <laughs> so I had to like compare. I had to put it in a box in my head and be like, "Girl, this is like 15 bullet points. You got three areas, and one you can delegate to a staff member. So mm-hmm. make it work." Yeah. Cool. So. All right. I think that wraps up water, water cooler. cooler talk. All right. Let's take a break. going to get into our ask a boss uh 
portion of the show. Um, if you have questions you want to hear us answer or respond to um, while we record, you can email us at headbosspodcast at gmail. That's H-E-A-D-B-O-S-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And we will pick questions to respond to, kind of give our individual thoughts to. So the question that we have for today is, it's more of a thought than a question, but it's around money. Um, so I'll just set up a quick, um, I guess, thought pattern that I had, and then we can just chime in on it. Um, so have you ever been, um, like, with a group of friends who you don't know, like, exactly what they make in terms of their salary or what their income looks like or compensation looks like, um, but people start to lead to hints, like the things that the way that they speak about their lifestyle or what they do or even how they spend their money kind of alludes to their um, abundance of money, if you will, or their mm -hmm. lack thereof. And kind of how do you respond in those spaces if you respond at all? Hmm. Yeah, I definitely have felt that way before. I mean, most of my friends work in tech, meaning like HR, marketing, business. And it's, I mean, living in San Francisco, I can go up, go, go into Glassdoor easily. Right. Oh, you work at Airbnb? Oh, you do this position? Let me see. Yeah. I mean, I don't do that with all my friends, but I, <laughs> Not with all of them. Just I work in nonprofit world. Yeah. And so I definitely don't make as much as my friends, but I do sometimes feel this level of inadequacy or when people make plans Every weekend, it's just like, money's no limit. Or in my head, I'm like, I, I, I start making these judgments about how they spend their money. Because <laughs> I was like, I, I know you're, you, you make maybe around this much, or you're alluding to this abundance, but like, damn. Like, yeah. you're, you're, going, you're going to like vacation every weekend, like going to this country, going on, you know, yachts, going, doing this, buying presents. Who are your friends on yachts? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, one of them. Anyways, uh, no, it's just like, it it, may, it puts me in a weird feeling. And I would say this was, this feeling only happened when I moved to San Francisco because I felt like when I lived in LA or when I lived in Boston, we were more in a level playing field. Mm -hmm. um, and now that I'm in the city where there's statistically and economically proven that there's just a lot of money in San Francisco, not being fed in the right places, but there's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I just feel, it, it's a little weird, you know? It's, mm -hmm. you have to s choose what social opportunities to engage in, mm -hmm. or, um, also, too, I'm a little humble. I'm not gonna, I'm naturally not gonna just flaunt. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I just have friends sometimes, no shade to my friends, I love you all, who just, they don't realize it, but I think it's part of that privilege where yeah. they, and they, with their tone and with what they say, they just flaunt mm -hmm. their wealth. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, no, I feel you. I Part of that is a byproduct because we have both worked in education. Um, and our primary work has been in education. So there, there's a, certainly a sticker shock of coming up here and then eventually um, uh, what the rent prices are up here. Um, <laughs> and the start of paying rent um, in positions previously that we, you know, that was part of the compensation that you certainly earned. It wasn't for free by any means because you're busting your ass. Um but my life started to look different when I started to pay, like, rent in San Francisco. I will very much say that. Um, I think um, I think probably earlier in my career and, like, maybe, like, in my, perhaps in my 20s or so that I, I thought more about that. But um, 
I think where I sit financially right now, like I don't have an abundance of money. I have probably more money than the average if you look at like the average salary in, you know, the average. So going from the very, very low um, that aren't even making minimum wage up to like the very, very high. I'm somewhere probably in the average um, in terms of what my salary looks like. But um, I'm a person, I love talking about money. Like I really like it a lot. Um, and I like to talk about savings and trying to figure out investments and like where to put money. That doesn't mean I have money in all these places, but I certainly have like a diversity. The, where my money looks is in diverse places. If that, that sounded really jumbled, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, but sometimes it is weird to talk about that or to hear other people talk about it or to see people like lavish, quote unquote, it's not Robin Leach, but like to lavishly spend money or like, to be throwing, seemingly throwing money around. And I'm like, well, don't you have bills? Like, you don't pay, like, what do you do with right. your money? Are um, you ever home? Right. Well, why are you on a plane every other um, week? <laughs> but I think that uh, sometimes it can be a little uncomfortable and then I just don't talk about it. Like, some of it's an avoidance. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know why you're doing this or why you're talking about all these things, but I'm not going to do that either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also very much a person, as we talked a little bit about the type A person, um, I love doing things like paying bills um like when i get my check every month i love doing that shit the primary reason is because it reminds me of how blessed i am to be able to pay bills fully at the beginning of the month and to know what i have to use for the rest of the month wow and so all i can think of is like as soon as that money gets deposited into the account yeah. um, it just gets I just see yeah. the numbers just fall it's yeah. just depressing for me but no I think that's a very positive out- yeah. outlook is it's like wow I am at this yeah. point in my life where I'm privileged to be able mm-hmm. to like afford to live here and afford to like take like maybe a long weekend if I want to or mm-hmm. to like bring my mom up to visit. Like, those are the things that, for me, I'm not so worried about the, like, going out to eat or whatever, or doing, you know. Um, and I also don't really go out, so let's just keep that all the way live. Um, but that's that's stuff that's important to me, um, to not necessarily keep up with the Joneses. And I certainly have, my, my house isn't shit. Um, and we certainly have nice things and a nice car. Uh, nice by my standards, of course, but... Yeah, it's, it certainly looked different when I was younger, when I was with people who had, like, seemingly more flexible. And I'm like, how do you have all this money? Like, aren't you living, like, on Top Ramen and, like, salt and pepper like me? Like, what the hell? All no, this sodium? I think you bring up a great point. I think sometimes we forget, going back to the bills, because there's this, we have our income, and there's this, this, this baseline, which is, like, the rent, utilities, maybe you have a car payment. And we automatically, at least in my head, we... We scrape that money away. It's like, oh, that's the money like I don't have. I just have to give those things away, yeah. write their bills. And we only look at the discretionary funds. Mm-hmm. But we forget that like, wait, I'm alive. Like I have a home. Yeah. I have a car. Like the, the yeah, I like- have <laughs> TV, cable, internet. Though even though we kind of just take those for granted, those things are luxuries. Yeah. I I think I'm gonna speak for myself. I think I forget that those the things that I have to throw money at all the time, and I'm like oh my gosh, my discretionary funds. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I forget, oh right, the half of my, you know, whatever, it, That a lot of that is towards luxuries that yeah. I need. Yeah. Well, and these, as you said that, like, it's about choice too. Like how you choose to spend your discretionary funds. Like mm-hmm. you can choose to eat out all the time and that 
that's going to last for maybe a week or two. You know, that's not going to last the whole month. But it's about the choice. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking to a friend the other day about, I can't even remember, it was one of my friends, and I was talking about, like, how I save money. And, like, if I, on the very rare occasion that I'm going to go out somewhere, I'm tipsy before I get there. Because I have a water bottle that has liquor in it already. So I'm tipsy <laughs> yes. before I get there. So when they come around, like, would you like a drink? No, I'm the DD. No, I got Can my panacea over here. Well, I don't announce it. I'm like, I'm oh. the DD. Can I have a soda? And then perhaps I'll pull out a little and pour that in there. So mm -hmm. I'm not above doing that. Um, but there are yeah. certain, like, I also like things like eating out at lunch. I love to bring my lunch because, I, number one, I love food. Mm -hmm. um, and if I know what I'm bringing, then I can be excited all morning up until lunch. But that saves me X amount of dollars and time going to get food and then feeling bad about that. But I'm like, ultimately, it saves me money like every time I bring my lunch. So there's there's small things I right. think that we think that we don't have a choice in. I'm like, everybody could bring their lunch because you probably had dinner at home. Right. Make a little extra or eat a little less. Um, that sounds so sizes, but that's not what I mean. But, you know, <laughs> so that you can put some in some Tupperware and bring it with you. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like, just don't worry about what other people do. Yeah. Like, just worry about yourself. And like I said, I, this was only an issue for me when I first moved to San Francisco when there's like money everywhere and I felt mm -hmm. like I was missing out on shit. Yeah. But I'm just worrying about myself and then, you know, uh, this is not really karma, but it kind of is karma, you know, for the people who care so much about their self-image and they kind of flaunt their wealth or their lack of wealth through a lot of like social media or mm -hmm. by saying what they enjoy all the time on weeknights and weekends they're probably struggling themselves too right right because it's a choice and maybe they're not making the right choices um because all they care about is the lifestyle yeah and instant gratification mm -hmm. so you know i don't even know if it's not the right choices but that's not a sustainable choice usually mm -hmm. as i think about these startups that are like flipping and like going under or getting sold or whatever that's that's negative but you know what i yeah. mean like that is not always going to be how you're going to be able to live so like there's a living within your means thing that like it's not a bad idea right you know? actually startups are notorious <laughs> just like people or millennials or whatever young people not spending within their means and that's why you know some of these companies do flip so quickly um because they spend a lot on salary they pay people very high mm -hmm. and they pay I think companies spend a lot on employee experience yeah so like food and vacations and things and like outings that outings and retreats right and which which is very I think very valued because um it's sometimes one of the pitfalls of an organization is when employees are not happy mm -hmm. but then I think sometimes we're in this point where they take it to the extreme yeah. and now the company still dips because mm -hmm. they run out of money. Yeah. So. Because you had all the beef jerky in the world, but you couldn't pay, cover payroll. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So again, if you have questions for us, you can reach us via email. Email us at headpodcast, headbosspodcast at gmail.com and you might just hear your question on the air. segment of our show which is boss ass bitch and bitch ass boss of the week yep so do you have two do you have one i think i have two boss ass bitches okay um and i'm gonna get that real smooth next time 
So my two are from the Emmys, which I didn't watch because I don't have live TV, but I saw on uh, maybe YouTube or something after, or maybe Facebook, shit, I don't know. Um, one was uh, very short. The They're both short. Courtney B. Vance, and mm. he won for, I couldn't even tell you what he won. I just saw- He got um, best, best. Uh, male actor in a limited series. Okay. Or movie. Yeah, limited TV series or movie. Was this the uh, OJ one? Yeah, it that was one, like, crazy. American Crime. They got a lot of yeah. wins, and I watched that series, and I, haven't I watched said, it. They, like, they need to win. Like, yeah. that show was freaking amazing. Is that on, on uh... Hulu or Netflix? Oh, or? I don't know. It's not on Netflix, but it okay. might be on Hulu. But I need to like, look you for need it. to watch it. Like, yeah, I keep hearing uh, good things. And then, uh, and also, um, Sarah Paulson also won for yes. portraying Marsha Clark. Clark. And Marcia she brought Marsha Clark with her. Did yeah. you see that? She was sitting next to her. Right in the audience. Like, yeah, but yeah. Um, no. And then Chris Dard's bitch ass is now in the news for saying that they had a thing, but not really saying it. But anyway, <laughs> that's beside the point. Um, so Courtney B. Vance, he got up there and he was like. He said something like, praise Jesus or something before he actually started the speech. <laughs> so so it was like extra black. And then he said some things, think the show, then gave a major shout out to Angela Bassett, um, who still slays. Yes. on bitches like nobody's business in that dress. Um, but then at the end, he was like, Obama out, Hillary in. And then he walked off the stage. <laughs> what? It was like hella random. But it was so funny because the whoever had announced the award, I think it was like, uh, Tina Fey and um, what's the other? They hang together. Oh, uh, Amy Poehler. Yeah, they were together and they both looked at each other like, okay, I guess we just follow him off the stage now. To my <laughs> sister Cecily, to my uh, assistant Anita, thank you. To my children, Bronwyn and Slater, education is the key. Thank you. And last but not least, to the woman that rocks my chain. Angela Evelyn Bassett, this one is for you, girl. Obama out. But it was so funny because he said it with such conviction. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and then the other one, um, the boss-ass bitch. Yeah, boss-ass bitch was um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus who is in the show Veep, who I've, yeah. I've never actually watched the show Veep. Um, but it was, it was like touching, and so apparently I'm the feely one. Um, and she gave some really like cute like political quips or whatever, which was um, actually really funny, and I encourage you to check it out on YouTube. Just Google her you know, Emmy speech. And then at the end of it, um, she really gave a shout-out to her dad because the Emmys were on Sunday, Yeah. Um, and her dad had passed away on Friday. And so you could see her hand shaking with her paper and she was really emotional. And it was just really sweet that she was like, essentially she was glad that he liked the show because it made, essentially made the show worth doing because he liked and appreciated the work that she put in. Oh, wow. Um, and so it was really sweet. And it was like super brave that she like still showed up for that. Like, yeah. this was like two days ago that this happened and like she was there and smiling and like kept it all together until the very end. So... Oh, and kudos just, to her. Yeah, kudos to her. And you making that statement kind of hit a soft spot because it kind of just goes back to no matter how old you are, it, like the work that we do, we still want our parents to oh, care. Oh, absolutely. Like, and Put when that they say that they care, yeah, that will be a, definitely a future topic. Yeah. But it's like, oh, it, yeah. it definitely cuts deep. Um, so I just have a bitch ass boss. 
Um, I guess this is the second week in a row. But. Mm, that's fine. Do it to <laughs> um, it. My bitch-ass boss of the week is Apple. Mm, yes. Please Speak tell me it. why. You know, I like to keep everything up to par, maintenance, and I thought when I pressed the update button on my phone last night that I was just going to get some bugs fixed. Mm-hmm. You I wake phone. up the next day <laughs> and I have a fucking brand new phone. I don't know what the thing does. Like, I swipe right, it does the opposite. I swipe up, the music looks fucking different. Yeah. The font is bigger. It's like, girl, I'm not blind. I can yeah. see just fine. I didn't choose the accessibility feature on that phone. And just... I just don't know how to use it. Like, there's just yeah. all these new features. And every time I open up a, an app for the first time, it gives me instructions on how to use okay, it. Okay, right? I didn't ask for that. I did this, I did it last night. I fell asleep while I was doing it because it took so fucking long. Mm-hmm. And then when I when I rolled over to, like, push my phone off to the side and, like, plug it in, I had, like, 17 fucking uh, app store updates. And I was like, wait a minute. I didn't have no app store updates five minutes ago when I did this shit. Right, and then you see, like, you have 30 app (laughs) app store updates because you have to update every single app because it's a new software. It's just, like, this is probably the most extreme update for a software where it it wasn't a soft launch. Usually it's incremental. It's like, oh, you changed the Instagram logo. Okay, I'm going to complain, but I'll get used to it. But this is the whole freaking new phone. And it's just also, I, I just don't like how... I felt like the previous software was a little bit more with the times. Now it feels like it's going back to like a janky, flat, like... Like a dummy phone. Yeah, it, or it just looks like from the year like 2000 all over again. A or... dummy phone. It's basically a, fl- a razor. It's basically a razor. <laughs> right, oh you my You centipede like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just Apple. And I know I'm probably going to get used to it, but this is actually going to take me a while yeah, to change get used is hard. to it. Change is hard. I know Martin Luther King said change is going to come, but I didn't want this change, okay? I want other changes. Uh, You know, I read an article that said it was like 50 new things for the iOS 10 update. Five zero. And I was like, fuck this, I'm not reading it. I'll just have to learn as I go. I was like, 50? Five is enough. I'm not already going to read the five, but you said 50. No. Mm -mm. No, I won't do that. No. All right. <laughs> but wait a minute. I also don't want the, what is it, the Note 7 that's going to burn up in your pocket. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> it's a Samsung phone. Because <laughs> I was like, fuck Apple. Maybe I should be, get, go back to Samsung and get a, a Droid. And they're talking about this IO, uh, it's a, a Note 7, I think. Okay. Um, it's been burning up in people's pockets and in the shit. car and starting fires and shit. <laughs> you, look this up. I'm telling you. Look up what Note 7. What is the 7. word? Okay, I'm going to look that up. I just... <laughs> Oh my gosh, technology is trying to kill us. Yeah. <laughs> gosh. All right, so that wraps our show for this week. Uh, we want to make sure that you're connected to all our social media. So, first, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud or um, subscribe to our iTunes channel. Um, just look for Head, Bo- uh, Head Boss in Charge. Um, you can follow us on Facebook by searching for Head Boss in Charge and follow us on Twitter. Um, that's at Head Boss Pod, P O D. Um, and then, of course, email us any questions that you have at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. Any last words, Shamina? No. Thanks for another good one, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Right, bye. Bye.